Hello and welcome to another episode of the County Cricket Podcast in association with our friends at Bear Crickets. I'm your host Aaron aka the Cricket Connoisseur and joining me on my left for today's very special episode of TCCP is none other than Sussex and Scotland seam sensation Brad Curry. So Brad first things first mate thank you very much for coming on to the podcast today. It's an absolute pleasure to get you on for a chat about all things county crickets. I have to ask mate how's your day been so far? Morning, Aaron. Yeah, thanks for having me, first of all, mate. It's an absolute privilege. Um, yeah, it's been good, thanks. Um, we just had a little chat earlier as well, off, off camera. Um, a nice chilled morning, season's done. So, um, yeah, happy days at the moment, just just relaxing and recovering from the season. Yeah, it's been a, a long old season, has it? Goodness me. I mean, <laughs> it, <laughs> for those who aren't aware as well, for me as a Warwickshire fan, the last week or so has been quite painstaking to be honest in particular those four days against Hampshire I mean Brad we had the conversation just before the podcast but you said about a story (laughs) involving the Sussex lads watching that down in the final game I mean can you just talk us everyone was on it so we got in from our game we finished and and shook hands with a draw and obviously there was still a few games going on and a few of the lads were checking the scores around the country and um, obviously everyone was aware that the Yorkshire game had finished and that if Warwickshire won, they, they would be safe. And everyone was looking at scores thinking, no, surely they can't bowl them out. You know, it's Hampshire as well. And, um, you know, we were looking at it, it was like 15 runs needed, three wickets. Norwell's got six and it's like, he's got it on a string. It's only him and Hannon Dolby bowling. Um, and then there was another wicket, like 10 runs, two wickets, another one, five runs, one wicket. And you could hear the Glamorgan boys in the other change room. You could hear the guys out in the balcony listening to it. Guys in the change room were listening to it. Norwell blows Abbas's shin off. And he like just hear these screams. He's got to give it. He's got to give it. It gives it, obviously. And then you just hear these screams. I think everyone just became a Bears fan at the time. Just, you know, sorry to Yorkshire. But um, just the, the story of that is incredible. So, I mean, if Liam Norwell's watching, fair play, well bowled. That's incredible to keep your team up like that. It was. It was remarkable. I mean, it it really was the great escape. I don't think we're ever going to see anything like that ever again. Nine for 62 (laughs) from 18.5 overs. Unreal. It definitely had Balotelli Aguero um, (laughs) scenes about it. (laughs) It's funny you mention that because we will be touching a little bit upon the Premier League and in particular fancy football in today's episode and (laughs) just for the new listeners out there for those who aren't familiar with how this podcast works today I'm going to be chatting to Brad all about his cricketing journey then of course we will touch upon that fancy Premier League aspect of the episode and then we'll end today's show with some of the most insane Twitter questions I think we've ever had (laughs) in nearly 200 episodes of the County Cricket Podcast but Brad before we get into all of that good stuff then I just want to transport you all the way back to the origin of the Brad Curry cricketing journey, if I may. Yeah. So yeah. what were your first ever memories of cricket, either playing or watching this magnificent game? Um, so I think my, I'm not sure what order this comes in, but I'm just going to reel them off. So uh, my first sort of ever memories were going down to the Dorset Indoor Centre um, and just sort of seeing how this, this sport called cricket goes, you know, as a, as a kid, sort of parents sort of flung me into most sports, you know, cricket, football, swimming was the was the main three. And um, we played this thing called diamond cricket. Now, you know, most people will know diamond cricket. It was awesome. So, you mm-hmm. know, 
um, as a seven-year-old, I think it was pretty easy to tell why I fell in love with cricket. Um, and so, you know, doing the maths, born in 98, seven years old, 05 Ashes, um, you know, Flintoff and Ponting going at it. I think it's one of the greatest series ever. So watching that as a kid, you know, and then going in the garden, replicating that. So it all sort of stemmed through that. Um, I eventually um, decided, uh, you know, I'll join a club. I, I quite enjoy cricket. Um, so I joined Paul Town from like the age of eight, I think it was. Um, and then just sort of trained from there and, and went from there, really. Well, it's a lovely journey into the game and Diamond Cricket. Shout out to oh, Diamond sweet. Cricket. What a game. In Whoever came up with that. Yes, brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Still play it with the, like, the all-star programmes. It's class. It's a certified critting classic here in the UK. It's just mm. part and parcel of the English yeah. critting experience. It's it's incredible. If you haven't played diamond cricket, cannot yeah, recommend it enough. It, even if you're in your 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, <laughs> get out there, play yeah. some diamond cricket, have some fun, yeah. enjoy your life. But <laughs> Brad, you mentioned there about the 2005 Ashes, and this does seem to crop up every single time. <laughs> On the podcast, mm. I mean, I'm very surprised by this point. We haven't rebranded ourselves as the 2005 <laughs> Ashes podcast. Yeah. It does seem to crop up that regularly. But that was just the the sheer impact that that series has had mm. on English culture. This is going to be a tough question because oh, it's God, such an iconic go. series with some yeah, extraordinary moments. But if you could go back and relive just one day from the 2005 Ashes, which day would you go back to oh, and relive? Oh, day. Um, do you know what? There's, there's a couple of ones that spring to mind. I think it was Peterson's 100. I think it was at the Oval. Mm-hmm. I think that was just like, I'm pretty sure it was like a counter-attacking one. And, you know, back in the day of Test cricket, that is, there was no bad ball then. And for Peterson to do that, that was up there. But I think you'd be blind not to go with the edge Baston win, surely. Like a two-run win in the Ashes. I think as well, like onto that, um, we obviously had Durham away, penultimate game of the season. And there was um, quite a good bowler called Steve Harmison there. And it's, you know, seeing that was like, watch it on the TV, mate. You know, you were that bloke that got that wicket, you know. So, yeah, I think uh, I think it's got to be Edge Baston, isn't it? Yeah, it does. And you mentioned about that. We've had this debate and this conversation on the podcast so many times. We get different answers depending on the nationality of our guests, yeah. whether they're Aussie or English. But did Kasperwich actually glove it? Yeah, yeah, get a snicker on that. 100%. 100%. <laughs> yeah. You can't tell which country we're from in that debate, no. can you? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm from Neva, so I'm a neutral. <laughs> oh, fair enough, actually, yeah. yeah. Oh, there we go then. We have a qualified opinion. We have a neutral perspective. Yeah, yeah there you go. So, yeah. But after all of these episodes, we've finally got a definitive answer, so the debate's <laughs> over. We've got it yeah. from Scotland seamer Brad Curry, Casper Witch. <laughs> he was out. out. Right decision. But <laughs> you mentioned there about, about Harmison, and there were so many mm. incredible names in that series from both sides. We're talking the likes of Warren, Gilchrist, Lee, yeah. McGrath, Flintoff for England, obviously the likes of Triscothic as well. Mm. There were so many icons and legends of the game playing in that series. For you personally, Brad, who were your cricketing idols in those early years? Did you have any role models, any particular influences that you tried no, to look up to? I'm going to come out with one that people might not think that I would say. Um, Go but on. Growing up still as a kid um, and as a left-arm seamer, it was Ryan Sidebottom with his old shaggy hair and, you know, and so 
when I was young, you know, I saw him with the Red Bull swinging it in, hooping it. I was like, this is genius. You know, this guy's got it. And the thing, the thing that got me was actually his run up. So those that will remember him will remember that he came in off quite an angle. And I thought, that's pretty cool. He comes in from like mid on and runs in and bowls. And so I was like, I copied that as a kid. I'd do my run up, I'd do a couple off to the side and I'd run in like side bottom, try and swing it back in at about 40 mile an hour. But, you know, I'd try my best to replicate him. So, um, so yeah, Ryan Sidebottom was sort of one of my heroes growing up. Um, and then sort of as I got older, and I suppose recently as well, I think as an all-round sort of left-arm seamer and, and cricketer, Trent Bolt's obviously up there. I think his craft is is majestic. Like his, his action is, is proper. Um, and then like just aside from that and just like an inspirational cricketer, I think De Villiers. I think like oh, yes. the shots he plays, you could, you could just watch it all day. And, you know, whenever the IPL was on and, you know, whatever team was playing, if De Villiers was playing, I was on the sofa watching it. And you'd just be willing for him to get runs. Now, I'm sorry to the bowlers that have bowled at him, but I just wanted to see them go out the park because, you know, him at his best was just unbelievable. That 100 in the um, 150 in the pink kit, there's probably not been many better innings. Um, but yeah, so those those few are definitely up there for me. Well, to be honest, Brad, I like each of those choices. And you won't know this, but I'm an RCB fan. Long-suffering have nah. been since 2008. Yeah, so <laughs> yeah. three finals, seen them lose all three of them. And Villiers, of course, was appearing in two of those, joined us in 2011. Mm. But this is going to be such a difficult question. But because I'm Go a cricket on. badger, I want to know the answer. If you could choose between those three players that you've just mentioned right there, Trent Boltz, oh, Ryan Sidebottom, A.B. De Villiers, you can sit down um, with them and maybe have an hour-long podcast with them, just a nice chinwag about all things cricket. <sighs> Who do you choose and why? It, it is a difficult question, but there is only one answer. So uh, recently, again, all the cricket badges out there will know that Scotland have just played New Zealand um, after New Zealand Rover in England. And... Um, all things going to plan, I was actually meant to be in Scotland sort of come the end of March. And um, and so I was looking at that series going, I wonder if Trent Bolt will be in Scotland. It's like, I will be spending a lot of hours speaking to that man and, you know, trying to get some tips and, and any advice and things to do and stuff. So um, as it transpires, obviously, I wasn't in Scotland. And I don't think Bolt was there at all. Um, but the, just like the that coming into a reality um and potentially having the chance to speak to him was was very exciting so yeah if i could sit down with anyone at the moment it probably would be bolt fair play he's a magnificent scene bowler isn't he and mm. it's staggering yeah. i mean obviously he's been playing in the ipl and with new zealand commitments but he's never played in county cricket i mean yeah, I, I just cannot believe it out. come on <laughs> <laughs> get yourself yeah. over here trent on, on yeah. the one in a million chance that you're listening to today's episode of the Cow's Cricket <laughs> Podcast, we yeah. want you here. Get tagging him, everyone. <laughs> 2023. Get yourself I'll over probably to kick the me out of a job, but um, I think I'd take having to, to watch him bowl over me. I think oh, the Sussex fans would. would appreciate that as well. <laughs> any any county fan would. He's incredible. Yeah. I mean, we've got a Freedy coming back, potentially for Middlesex. Yeah. I mean, there's been some whispers about that. Trent Bolt, get yourself over. To the yeah. county circuit in 2023 that's, 
That's what I say. Oh, left arm mm. seems fantastic. Mitchell Stark's another one. Was he Macron yeah. back in the day? I mean, we could, Don't think we could I'll talk be about it for days. any of them, though. <laughs> oh, goodness me. Not, not a chance. Not a I'll chance. I'll let the have a go at that. Yeah. <laughs> and even they would struggle, let's face it, against yeah. any of those bowlers. But it's funny, actually. We're mentioning about all these seam bowlers in particular, Brad. I need to ask this question, really, because I always take great interest in this. Why did you become a seam bowler in the first place? Why didn't Brad Curry become a spinner or a keeper or a specialist you, bat? What was it about seam you know bowling which was so appealing? I'm asking myself that same question. <laughs> to this day. <laughs> my body's in bits and I'm 23. Um, but, um, you know, I've always said, like, the I coached a couple of the kids back at home and stuff, and... Um, you know, I've always said if I had my time again, I'd be someone like Liam Dawson. I'd be bowling spin, be a good batter and someone who stands at slip and grabs pigeons. So I've got it all wrong. So if anyone's growing up listening to this, be a slow left arm spinner, white ball specialist and whack it out of the park. But still very test cricket, obviously, of course, because, you know, that's that's where the game is at. But um, I don't know. Why, why did I come and see Matt? Um, I think... Like again, I think you're obviously products of what you view as a youngster and what you're taught. And I think it was always quite cool to bowl fast. I mean, I'm I'm far from it. I'm very much medium pace. But um, I think just to bowl fast and swing a ball and, you know, there's almost that element to being able to not like hurt someone, but, you know, strike fear into an opposition player. And I'm sure some spinners will be out there saying that they can do that, but if anyone gets hit in the pads by a spinner, it doesn't tend to hurt. But um, yeah, I just, I don't know. I always sort of felt that I had enough of an athletic physique to, to be a fast bowler as well. So, you know, and, and I think it's the hard yards to do in the sport. Um, you know, as a footballer, I was a defender, which I felt was the harder job to do than being an attacker. Um, and then as a swimmer, I was the long distance runner, uh, sprinter, sorry, long distance swimmer. Uh, rather than a sprinter, you know, that I felt the 50 metres were the flashy guys that, you know, were, you know, the cool guys that were over and done with in 30 seconds, whereas, you know, the, the long distance swimmers were the ones that had to train, train and train. So I guess I just sort of saw fast bowling as like the harder graft and a, a, a tougher skill to master. And I guess that was the thing that sort of spurred me on to be a, a left arm swing bowler. And that in itself is is quite cool. Maybe it could be the... um with a slow left arm or a left arm un- or unorthodox or something, you know, but left arm swing all the way. It's interesting, really, isn't it? I mean, again, you mentioned there almost about being a product of, of your other sports as well, because yeah. Yeah. for me personally, I'm a spin bowler, terrible spinner. In fact, you'd probably <laughs> say a, a slow bowler more than anything, but... Probably still in- blow my pads off, don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I would, Brad. I really don't back myself, but... When it comes to to my sporting history, I suppose, I was a goalkeeper in football, centre in mm-hmm. basketball, I was a linebacker in, in American football, and then when it came to cricket, spinner. So yeah. I've always been very defensive-minded. I've always been someone who's wanted to stop an attack and mm. get the glory that way. It's interesting how that's almost replicated in your journey as a swing bowler. And when mm. it comes to your bowling in particular, always ask this to Seamus in particular, but what is your favourite method of dismissal is it a yorker outswinger oh. inswinger maybe a cheeky bouncer in there what is your go-to <laughs> method of dismissal no bouncers <laughs> no bouncers no not quick enough um uh i think for a lefty it has to be the classic like to a right-handed batsman through the gate poles everywhere 
Um, I think I'm still searching for that dream dismissal to a righty. Um, I had a couple of nice ones to lefties this year. Um, I'm not going to name and shame because it's not happening because the amount of times I've been put in the stands this year, you know, <laughs> we'll call it even batters. Um, but yeah, I've had a couple of nice ones to lefties where I think sort of beating them on the outside edge um, and hitting off stump just by sort of getting them to play inside it. I think that's up there for me. Um, but yeah, it's definitely through the gate and, and poles everywhere to right-handed batsman. Oh, lovely. I mean, whenever you say that, I think back to uh, Mitchell Stark yeah. versus Brendan McCullough. Stark, Bolt, all doing it. You know, they've all been um, applying that trade and the 3D as well. Oh, goodness me, yeah. And we've seen that in county cricket as well with yeah. Shaheen. I yeah. mean, that guy is <laughs> he's, he's unbelievable, isn't he? Mm. He really is. But yeah, I like that choice. It is a great sight in cricket. Yeah. It really yeah. is that and a toe crunch in Yorker. I think no it's I think it's better than any wicket a right hander can take. Even a right hander doing it to a lefty, I still think it looks better from a left hander's point of view. Maybe that's some bias, but yeah. The only reason that I question that, I think a lot of people will remember this dismissal from this summer. The ball from Jimmy Anderson to Dean Elgar and the ping of the stump. Yeah, okay, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, fair enough. Or his one against I think it was McCullum back in the day. I think it was probably about 08, 09-ish against New Zealand. And he, I think he got five, obviously. Um, but he, McCullum's <laughs> literally course. going to hit it to square leg and it takes his off pole. It's like, how have you done that then? Which Jimmy Anderson, isn't it? I mean, I don't yeah, think anybody ridiculous. really knows, to be have honest. Seen, the man is have you seen a magician. the uh, video of him? I think he starts from like over the wicket, runs really far around and then goes and um, bowls to a lefty. The ball literally goes like, off the pitch. And then like back into off stump. It's incredible. So I tried copying it from doing it left arm, like running in from left arm over to left arm round. It's a ridiculous skill. <laughs> Man is a wizard. He is, and he's still doing it at the age of 40. I mean, oh, it's just... Ridiculous. Yeah. It is, it's ludicrous. And, and funny yeah. enough, actually, I mean, this is... Oh, God, this just stresses how much of a cricket badger I am. But we had this <laughs> chat with James Clegg, Hampshire's former yeah. physio. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, what a man, what a man. Brilliant man, shout out to yeah. Cleggy. excellent guest, yeah. really interesting bloke now working with England Rugby, but yeah. when it came to our conversation, we spoke about Jimmy Anderson's bone composition, and it's similar to that of a weightlifter, right. that's how much pressure goes through your body as a yeah. seam bowler, he's doing it at 40. It, it's... Yeah, I don't, don't know about the weightlifting scene, but if there's some 40-year-old weightlifters going out, then <laughs> fair play to them. Hey, fair play to anybody who's in the professional sporting environment at the age of 40. I mean, the toils yeah. and the toll it takes on your body, goodness me. I'm struggling yeah. at the age of 21 in, in village cricket, <laughs> to be honest. And <laughs> talking of village cricket, Brad, that is a beautiful transition into our next little segment, which will, of course, discuss yeah. your journey in village cricket. You mentioned earlier about playing for Paul Town down in Dorset, yeah. but that isn't the only club that you've played for over the years. Oh, no, you've also played I'm for... a bit of a serial killer for clubs. <laughs> yes, as we shall discuss right now, because you've also played for, for New Milton down in Hampshire, yeah. Millfield School, yeah. Clevedon yeah. in Somerset, and then Bashley Rydale yeah. in, in Hampshire as well. Yeah. yeah. So, so I've got to ask... I'll explain it. Why so many clubs? So uh, I started off at Paul Town. They're my local club as a kid um, and just sort of grew up through the age groups. Um you know, played at Dorset for the age groups again. Um, and then eventually I made the move 
from the Dorset League with Paul Town to the Hampshire Leagues with New Milton. Um, and I think uh, I had a lot of friends at, at Bashley um, and a lot of people who've made a similar sort of transition from the Dorset League to, into the Hampshire League. And uh, it, I was sort of too young, really, to play in the first team at Bashley. And so I didn't really want to go over and play second team cricket because I would have been better off playing for Paul Town first team. Um, I think I was like 14 at the stage, but so it was just like a step too far um, to sort of play for Bashley's ones. So um, I've sort of had like a half a season in the ones at Paul Town and um, one of my mates, Ash, actually spoke to me and um, he said, well, you should come over and see what it's like at New Milton. You know, we, our second team's in a high enough division and, you know, we've seen your craft, you could be playing some ones cricket as well. And their ones were like a couple, um, oh, one division below Bashley or something. And so, like, it was a good standard and I could maybe just about get away with it at sort of 14, 15. And so I, I went over and trained there and I thought the standard was was pretty good, um, especially as a youngster. So I signed for them for a year um, and sort of had a mixed year in, like, the twos and the ones. And the club were awesome, to be fair. Like, they were really, really nice guys. Um, and I really enjoyed my time there. And... Those that know the Hampshire area really well, New Milton's on one side of a roundabout, Ashley's on the other side of the roundabout. And so they're, they're like New Forest rivals. So it's a little bit of jumping from Rangers to Celtic or uh, Liverpool to Everton, United to City. But um, I think, you know, in, in crickets um, like this kind of leagues, it was, it was fine. But, and I think I always knew that eventually I was going to end up at Bashley. Um, so I did my year at New Milton and then um Paul Town uh sort of sorry Bashley got in touch um and one of my good mates uh, Mike Porter was you know the captain at the club at the time and said look we've you know we've seen how you sort of progressing we think you'll be in the ones now I was like that's good enough for me like I'm here um and so went along to again training sessions there um and it just sort of kick-started from that so then was a Bashley player ever since really some sort of like uh i want to say like 16 ish um and then came the move uh up to somerset so um i finished year 11 school at paul grammar um did my gcses and everything and then it got to a stage where um i wasn't really going anywhere i'd say in my cricket career like the dream was still to play professional cricket and um you know i'd had some good years with dorset and it took, you know, it's quite hard to sort of get yourself out there playing for Dorset in a, in a minor counties team and trying to get into a first-class academy. Um, but luckily we had sort of the Dorset first team in minor counties. That was a good link at that age to try and progress your career. And there was a few people with decent contacts around in, in the world of cricket. And um, it was a guy called Alan Willows, who was Dorset coach at the time, um, spoke to me about joining Sherborne School or at least looking at a private school um, to try and get myself out there um, as a cricketer. And, you know, I think most people will probably agree that it's a lot easier making it as a private school boy in, in the cricket world as it is um, in a public school. Now, again, those of you that know more about me and my brother will know that Scott obviously made it for a public school, which is great. Um, is a great achievement from him and i think if you look at most of the county players a lot of them are, are from private schools um so 
we spoke about that dilemma about sort of having to go to a private school you know we we had a little look around Sherborne and we also sort of we spoke that night and said what about going to Millfield and I used to go there for a lot of swimming meets and stuff and um it it took to go we went up to Millfield and sort of had a look around and we knew a couple of the coaches up there and we eventually said this is this is the place you know we we thought it was a little bit above us um you know a little bit too good for us to go just as some people from you know Branksome and in, in Dorset um to go to like the mighty Millfield and and stuff but you know it it just checked out and it worked really well so went to Millfield for sixth form um and obviously needed a club whilst I was at school there um and then so it took one of your boys one of the Bears players Jake Lintop um I knew him obviously through Dorset and uh he spoke to me and says look where are you playing your club cricket whilst you're at school I says, I'm, I'm not it's right well you're playing for Clevedon then so um I played a couple of games for Clevedon both years um but it was it was always difficult to commit to long term because obviously once I'd finished school we'd be back in Bournemouth and then Cleveland would be two and a half hours away so you know doing that on a Friday night or a Saturday morning would just it'd have been too much so I played for Cleveland for two years at the start of the season then moved back to Bashley um so Hence why I had a, quite a few clubs. Um, and then to this day, I'm, I'm still a Bashley player. I'll tell you what, Brad, it's an interesting cricket journey that, I it mean, is. I wouldn't have been able yeah. to, to have gleaned that information from just looking at the list on play cricket. Oh, I mean, that's where I got all of no. those clubs from. <laughs> right? Yeah. You've we done well research. to get all the clubs down. Yeah. Thank you. We do our prep here at the County <laughs> Cricket Podcast. Yeah. But it's interesting that you mentioned Jake Linton. I was going to try and make the link. So it, has, mm. it was actually through Jake. Yeah. In the first yeah. place, that's very yeah, interesting yeah. to to hear. And the other thing which I found on play cricket as well, you also played for Surrey at under seventeen level. Yeah, so there's probably what was that even like? more counties. Oh, do you know what? It was again, you know, a lad from Brankton. I just thought, I can't play for Surrey. Like they're Surrey, you know, they're the Brown Cats, you know. Um, so basically, there was a. Um, the school game, the Millfield fixture list is ridiculous for a school team. Um, like we just play academies and um, you know some second teams, but it it's largely is like academy boys um, sort of teams. And and so we had a fixture against Surrey, and um, I don't want to talk about it too much, but I took five that day, and there were some real good players in that Surrey team. Um, Will Jacks was in it. I didn't get him out, obviously. Oh. Um, but Will Jacks was in it, Ollie Pope was in it, and I think Jamie Smith was in it as well, um, along with a whole ho- other host of, you know, some gun players. Um, and so those guys were in it. And um, obviously I took five. And um, so then the academy director came up to our cricketing director at Millfield and said, you know, he's your left armour. And he says, oh, it's, that's, that's Brad. Um, and he's like, oh, who does he play for? And he said, oh, he plays for Dorset. And um, and so like the sorry uh, Gareth Townsend said up saying is he not with a first class academy is he is he not signed up on a you know an academy deal and Gareth was like no and uh, so Gareth literally would um, said to to Mark Galway he's like do you mind if I speak to him <laughs> go for it speak to me after the game says we want to get you on an academy deal um, you know when can we sort of get this moving we're quite keen to do it quite quickly because. Um, at the time, I actually had um, an offer to join Somerset's development sort of 
um, program, just sort of like one down from the academy. And then I had an, an academy offer at Hampshire as well. And, and so I sort of had to weigh all those things up. And um, I think just like the opportunity to play for Surrey would have been remarkable. Um, and so I signed with Surrey uh, on the academy and played 17s with them for a couple of years. And we had a ridiculous team. I think it's, it's probably one of the better teams I've ever played in, um, especially uh, at that level. Um, like we won all the competitions. Um, it was just, it was a really good team uh, and it was a great experience. So yeah, I did, did play there for a couple of years, played a few second team games, but uh, I mean, the, the talent there, the pool of talent is just ridiculous. So it just wasn't meant to be there. Um, but there was there was never any sort of like ill feelings at all. Was, they treated me really well, um, and yeah, my my time there was good, and it's, it has sort of helped me as a cricketer anyway. Um, it's sort of quite character building, going from the highs of signing, the sort of the sticky situation, not knowing whether you get signed or you know where you stand and everything, and then sort of the the lows of getting let go, but then sort of still sort of having the hunger to sort of carry on and and child elsewhere basically well that's the important thing isn't it it's about bouncing back from that disappointment and you've, yeah. you've certainly done that brad in the years that have followed and before we we touch upon sussex and we talk about the incredible first class debut for the southern <laughs> county which will take up a large chunk of the podcast i have no doubt about that whatsoever <laughs> just one final team to discuss before we get onto your first class journey is of course mm. dorset because I always yeah. love giving a mention to the national county sides. Mm. They're really underrated. They play a fantastic oh, role absolutely. in the English cricketing structure. And I just wanted to know, really, how important have Dorset been in the journey of Brad Curry? How important <laughs> has that team been to developing the cricketer that we see in mm. front of us today? Do you know what? The, I can't speak highly enough of like the whole minor county setup. Richard Logan has done a fantastic job since he's come in. Um, and actually, I think it was at the start of this season, which seems a ridiculous amount of time ago. Um, but he set up a um, like a showcase day at Loughborough and sort of got all these bowlers, batters in, you know, everyone put their CVs through and, and got sort of scouts from every county or, you know, as, as close to as possible to come down and watch. And, you know, for everyone in the minor counties, he's probably looking for a deal and they're at, it's such a a youthful setup at the moment it's guys of my age and younger and a couple uh, older as well that are looking for for deals and there's some really good players out there that are either not signed or just going missing through the minor county system and 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 the standard of the actual tournament is grown exponentially for sure um you know i look at some of our white ball teams in the dorset um t20 team the 50 over team and i'm like probably played in like very similar if not better um or worse sorry um second teams you know sometimes second level in cricket can can focus a lot on like academy players and you know very very talented sort of like 16 to 18 year olds and you can play some minors and there's like ex-pros floating about there's you know the very experienced club players that have got ridiculous records um and so the exposure that the the standard now gives is remarkable and very, very helpful to help people progress. And I think with the Dorset setup, it's been really nice that we've had a pretty young seam attack. And I think from since, we, I mean, we had, when I sort of first got into the team, we had um, 
we had a couple of bowlers in there who were a lot older and more experienced than me and they sort of led the attack whilst I was there as like a 17 year old lad being the third fourth seaman not bowling much but learning a bit more about the trade of, of minor counties cricket um and then eventually they they sort of found their way out of the team and it sort of fell on me to lead the attack um you know without trying to blow my own trumpet there but you know a young age to lead an attack at, at a very high standard was was a, was a tough challenge um but I think the 2019 season was where it all sort of kick-started. Um, I did have quite a good year for Dorset. Um, and, you know, that was coupled with having a couple of experienced players around. You know, we had Jigger um, Knight signed, the ex-Leicester spinner. Um, and, you know, I mean, he would take a ridiculous amount of wicket. He was like the, the Simon Harmer of minor counties <laughs> cricket. Um, and so, you know, having him in the side, but the... The whole setup of, of minor counties cricket and the Dorset setup has, has been really, really helpful. Well, that's excellent here. And to be honest, in, in 2022, we've seen quite a few of those national county lads actually make the step up, haven't we? I mean, yourself mm. for Sussex, mm. Michael Finham for Leicestershire, he's come up mm. through the Cheshire ranks. Same with Ben Gibbon for Worcestershire, yeah. another Cheshire lad. It, it's great to see. And as I said, I always like giving a mention to the NCCA yeah. because they do a great job. It's brilliant to see all of these national county lads making that next step up and it is a really important part of the English cricketing structure so mm. shout out to Dorset for what they're doing down on the south coast it is absolutely fantastic and of course yeah to the whole of the national counties keep up the good work that's what I would say absolutely as mm. the host of the county cricket podcast but Brad aside from village crickets aside from the national counties let's talk about Sussex County Cricket Club a first-class yeah. county full of history, pedigree, an illustrious club, mm. to say the very least. And you got the opportunity to trial at Sussex first and foremost in the 2022 yeah. season. So before we get on to the first-class debut at a, a ground which is known as the home of cricket, <laughs> yeah. um, for many a reason, it is an incredible ground is Lords. First and foremost, how did the trial come about in the first place? How did that opportunity First John, there's actually um, quite a good story around how my trial came about at Sussex. Um, it wasn't just sort of like a, a you know a random text or are you available for twos? Can you make up some numbers? Which I've had a fair few times at a fair few counties. And you know, whilst you appreciate that, they obviously look in the round sort of at like the minor county circuit or you know past twos games and trying to still get the sort of best bowlers out there. Um, but basically, the the Sussex. I'm going to probably butcher all the years of in the chronological order that this all happened. But this is roughly how I remember it. So, Sussex actually had an open day for fast bowlers. Um, I think it was around sort of like the COVID time. Um, I think it was slightly beforehand. Um, and so I went along. There was some other very good bowlers there, and um, you know I I looked around as few lefties and I was like you know maybe about myself here didn't hear much obviously because then COVID hit so the second team cricket just wasn't a thing um and then I eventually got an opportunity um to play a twos game I think it was at Hove um against Surrey so that obviously didn't go down too well but um so I turned up and um you know you get the text about the team and everything and then there's this um there's a guy in our second team called Joffrey Archer. I'm like, what are you doing here? Um, you know, 
Um, and so to rock up to a twos game for your first trial and see that, you know, you're potentially opening the bowling with Jofra Archer was, that was an incredible moment. Um, so anyways, we get out to day one, do the warm-ups, the, um, the S&C, good old D-Mac, he uh, comes up to me and asks me, um, have you been sprinting, you know, start of the season? Says, yeah, yeah, of course. I've been, you know, doing all my running, um, trying to, you know, get fit for the season and everything, you know, it's been off my own back, but, you know, I've been doing it and, and stuff. So, um, we finished the warm up with a few sprints and I think most people know how this will go. A couple of pings in the back of my leg thinking, oh dear, I'm, I'm cramping at half nine in the morning. This is not good. And uh, so I walked back from the sprint thinking, hang on, this cramp's not quite going. You know, what's going on? Try to stretch my leg out, get to the back of my mark. And I'm like, can't walk now. What's going on here? You know, speak to the physio. I'm like, I just felt a couple of like shots in the back of my leg. I said, there's no, there's no snipers around or anything. So I think I've done something to my leg. And uh, she says, yeah, you you tweaked your hamstring after like, assessing it and stuff. So Two's debut didn't go down too well at Sussex. So I actually pulled my hamstring in the warm-up um, after saying that I sprinted, and I had, um, but obviously didn't go down too well. So, um, so that all sort of pushed back my season. I was out for six weeks after that. Sussex were very good, though. They um, helped me out for like a couple of days afterwards and, and said, you know, when, when you're back fit, let us know and we'll see what we can do. And um, so anyways, that season was, was done. That was last year. And um, I didn't get any more twos games. I was sort of more in the fold at Hampshire than anywhere else. Um, and then playing the odd game wherever I could. Like last year, I played twos game for Durham. Um, played one for Warwickshire. Um, I've, I've had a lot of counties in twos games. But so eventually this year, um, Sussex got back to me. The analyst, Luke Dunning, uh, texted me and said, we've, we've got a game at Bristol in the twos. Um, are you available? Yes. Yes, of course I am. Um, just no sprints in the warm-up, please. <laughs> so um, so I got my opportunity this year at the start of the season against Gloucester. And, you know, the, and I think I'll speak for most people that are, are trialling around the country. I think to get the opportunity earlier in the season, there's a lot nicer. There's a lot of pros still playing twos cricket. And then there's obviously the hope to get some regular sort of game time, basically. Um, and so I missed the first game of the two season. They played Kent. Um, I think Blake whacked 200 at Blackstone, which is an absolute postage stamp. But the guys said it didn't go down too well. So there was a few sort of lost heads coming to the Bristol game anyway. So we played the Bristol game. It went OK. And, and then I got a text again saying, are you available for next week? And I said, absolutely. Um, played again, did OK, got another text. And then the T20 stuff came around. Um, and so we had Surrey at home, Hampshire away, and again played in that. And the T20 stuff and the twos is, you know, it's a very good standard because you've got a lot of people nowadays on white ball only contracts. Um, and so in our twos, we had Bapara playing, we had Luke Wright, we had Mohamed Rizwan, we had George Garton, um, Henry Crokin was playing. Um, I've probably missed so many more names, but Will Beer was playing. Um, can't think even who else, but we had a had a proper team, and I was like, um, I think I was the only trialist in the team. That like there was ten signed pros, um, you know, they were all playing. And I was thinking this is quite an incredible opportunity to play, and you know, I was still, I wasn't playing T Twenty and just bowling like two overs, like the tenth and the twelfth over or something. You know, I was still highly thought of as giving the new ball and the power play, and 
and given the responsibility at the death as well. Um, and so I played those couple of games and, you know, I think they went down quite well. Um, I'm not going to speak any figures or anything, but um, just um, still trying to work out how to bowl it on Brest. If he's listening to this, I'm still figuring that one out. Um, but the, those games went pretty well. Um, and so it was really nice to sort of get a run of games and, and show what I could do across sort of both formats, really. Um, and then I went abroad with Scotland, um, ran a few drinks on, uh, which is quite nice. It's actually a sort of nice time to get away from playing and have a, like a training week almost um, in the middle of the season, which, you know, helps me to probably play till the end of September this year. Um, and so then I came back and um, we had another couple of twos games and we played uh, we played Middlesex at Horsham in a four day and we wrapped it up between three days and for the we had a we had a pretty strong side out but the Middlesex team was really really strong um, there was a lot of talent in their team and for us to beat them inside three days we were we were very happy with what we'd achieved and um, and that was basically all my twos experience really there was there was a little conversation after the middle um after the middlesex twos game which probably leads you quite nicely into your next question i imagine it does indeed because talking of middlesex that's who you made your first class debut against i mean you couldn't have set me up any better to be honest brad yeah. that was a beautiful transition into my yeah. next question because we have to talk about your first class debut i mean we alluded to it during the ari carvelas podcast because he also mm made his Sussex first-class debut yeah, in the exact yeah. same game. But I'm not going to ruin any of the figures. Right? You bounced out by Tim Murtagh, though. So. <laughs> <laughs> to the short side. Found you like 35 metres. First ever dismissal in first-class cricket. So not, he won't mind me saying that either. <laughs> so. No, he, he won't. He's a, he's a top man, isn't he? Yeah. Harry Carvelas, yeah. as, as we'll probably discuss in a few moments' time. But just take us through that debut. As I said, I, I, I don't want to ruin the the occasion or the match figures that you took i want you to put it into your own words brad take yeah. us through that first class debut and in particular <laughs> that bowling performance at the home of cricket how on earth did you pull that off i honestly i, I don't think it's even set in yet but um i'll sort of continue where i left off from so um after the middlesex twos game uh ash wright came up to me and said that there's a chance that they might want you in the squad for the first team next week. I said, oh, that, that'd be great to run drinks on at Lords. You know, that'd be fantastic to be in and around the county championship setup. And um, and so I went back to the hotel, you know, I thought, oh, this is great. You know, as a Charlie, you got a day off, you know, day four, was, there's no game. You get paid, you know, taking a day off work technically. So I go back to the hotel and I'm about to leave to go home thinking, yeah, I put my feet up, ready for club cricket at the weekend. And um, I get a call from Keith Greenfield uh sussex saying um you know what you, what your movements sort of thing I said, oh, i'm just about to go home and you know relax and you know do what most normal people do and um he says well can you can you uh come to hove tomorrow morning and so i was like yeah sure thing and he's like we need to get you registered i said oh, okay you need to register a, a water boy do you, you know run the drinks on it at lords and so I rocked up to Hove, they, they sort of, you know, spoke about everything and gave me a one-month deal. And um, then the Lords game sort of came around a couple of days later. We had training. Um, they said, oh, you're in the squad. I said, oh, this is fantastic. Um, 
and you know i was i was looking at uh, this i think we had like a 14 man squad looking at the squad thinking am i going to play or not you know ari's probably going to play he's ahead of me um you know and i think the balance of the side probably leaves me out um and there was always a thing of at lords would it be a, like a real green seamer with with murta roland jones bamba um i think they had yadav as well so you know it, it, we we did take enough seamers to go you know maybe it is going to be a green seamer but also have enough batters as well so we had the balance of the side and then sort of a you know what and most people ask me they're like when did you know i genuinely didn't know till like 10 o'clock uh, really? on the day that late? yeah gen- genuinely um yeah i warmed up day one thinking not sure and um souls came up to me after i'd i'd um done my bowl throughs he's like go well today and i was like you wouldn't say go out to a water boy would you i mean that i mean i'm playing so we get in the huddle at like 10.05 and it's like all right here's the squad lads unlucky to the few that missed out brad and ari you're making your debut you get your your cap presented and and stuff and i was like this is literally happening like i'm at lords about to make my debut um and so from there like you know the hearts go and it's like oh god and you know there's there's not like the massive pressure of the crowd but just the occasion to be playing in the county championship and to be playing at Lords, that alone is, you know, enough for anyone. And it almost just didn't feel real. It felt like I was like playing in a charity game, like that I was playing against all these great cricketers and, you know, at Lords and just doing like something for charity. And, you know, it just didn't seem real at all. Um, but yeah, we got to the toss anyway, and I was praying that we were batting first. Um, so I don't know if like people will, might remember that was the day one and day two were the two days. It was like forty degrees in London. That so was like pretty historically hot. So the coin goes up. Murta wins the toss and says we'll have a bowl, <laughs> and we're all like, "This is fantastic!" Day off in the shade in forty-five degrees, um, and so that obviously um, that was quite a nice feeling. People asked me, you know, day one we were like three hundred for three. And I was like, it's first class cricket stuff's all right, isn't it? I've just um, sat in the Lord's balcony all day in 40 degrees and you know, watched Pajara um, just whack it around Lord's. And um, yeah, it was, it was probably the best day I'll ever have in firm first class cricket because I did nothing um, and just sort of relaxed. But it kind of allowed the game to, to get into fruition and sort of, you know, you sort of get um, a feeling for how the game could go. And so, you know, we come back day two and we're still three down. I think we, we could bat the majority of the day here. And we did. Um, I think we got to like 550-odd, I think it was. Um, and obviously then we um, we were bowled out. Um, I, was, I was left stranded by Pajara. scandalous in my debut, you know. <laughs> so, so I think, yeah, we were bowled out and we had like, 20 to 30 overs at them uh, on the night of day two. And, you know, I got told I was taking a new ball with uh, Steve Finn. And, um, you know, being sort of the novice that I was, so it was still like, we spoke about the ends and obviously the slope at Lords. And, you know, I actually, um, a lot of people speak obviously about bowling against the slope and, and to obviously let the slope do some work, but also your natural skill come in and, and take it the other way. And so I bowled against the slope, but, you know, if you gave me the choice, you think oh, I just bowl the slope and absolutely boomerang him in. But the obviously the smart choice was 
to go against it and and um finney's end was actually the pavilion end so i ended up taking the nursery end uh, with a new ball and you know there's there's worse times the bowl when you've got 500 on the board um but i remember that my first five overs that night were pretty average i think i had a couple of shouts for lbw but largely i missed my line um that night but luckily obviously it was only 20 overs and so you know they they started pretty well i i actually think they were like nearly 80 odd for none maybe even 100 for none off like 30 overs and so yeah but we still came back we had 450 leads still we still had 500 500 on the board and you know that's that's nice to come back to and um so day two the night and day three in the morning we we spoke about how we're going to work as a bowling unit to try and sort of nail our lines a bit more just to sort of counteract the slope because the coaches made a point that they don't want to keep talking about the slope but it is an aspect that you need to be aware of um and you'd be naive not to take it into consideration so day three morning comes around you know we think we've we've nailed it we've spoken about the right things got the right plans in place how we're going to get each of the batters out and everything and um yeah it just sort of broke loose from there really it was just carnage that morning spell well it was indeed and, and brad i just have to mention the figures don't i six for 93 <laughs> from 27 <laughs> overs on your first class there, debut but... at lords as well the home yeah. of cricket to do that at any ground in the country would be impressive but to do it at lords in particular is just staggering <laughs> it's the home of first class cricket at yeah, the end of the day you. and i always ask this question when it comes to mm-hmm. debuts but six for 93 can you remember each and every single one of those wickets oh yeah easy they're on my phone <laughs> who, who were they then <laughs> all right so stoneman's first lw uh, eskenazi next nicked off uh then robson chopped on uh then holden up the slope uh bold that was that was probably the highlight sorry max um then five was roland jones stepped across lbw um, and then six was Yadav around the wicket bold after he deposited me in the stand twice and it went so far. <laughs> I was gonna his say. first ball, his first ball was ridiculous. I said to Pudge, I'd, I'd just taken five, so thin on top of the world. I was like, right, what's Yadav going to do then? You know, would he see a couple? And Pudge was like, yeah, yeah, he'll probably see a couple. The first ball, just like, I was like, right, okay, I'll, I'll go length. I'll try and hit the top of the stumps. He hits this ball like miles. It was probably on the tube. Like it genuinely got a ticket onto the tube. It was massive. But do you know what? I'd just taken uh, my fifth wicket. I think I stood in the middle of the wicket, just laughed and went, you can't ruin my day. Like, you can do that again. So the next ball was a dot. And then he actually did it again and whacked me even further. <laughs> I was like, oh dear, it's 12 off three, coming in at 10. So, you know, there's no such thing as a tail end doing first class cricket. And so um, I was like, this is good. So then Pudge comes across, speaks to me, he's like, probably go around the wicket now so, yeah okay and he's like just give him no room or you know hide it outside off and end up bowling like a half folly but it swung so much um that he, he again was just swinging from the hip you know they were just trying to get as close as they could to our score as quickly as they could um and it, it bowled him but yeah that was um a real leveler when he came out and just deposited two into the tube <laughs> It happens though, doesn't it? When it comes to oh, tail enders, as you mentioned. Oh, it's happened so many times. It happened the next game at knots. I think um, Dane Patterson put me over my head twice. Merlaney put me in the stands. I thought, oh God, it's first class cricket. It's quite tough, isn't it? 
It certainly is. But then again, it's the standard, isn't it? And as a bowler, you're going to get whacked from time yeah. to time. It, yeah. it just happens. It's part and parcel of the game. But aside from the six for 93, I must say remarkable consistency with the bat as well. Zero not out from seven balls in the first <laughs> innings. Yeah. And, and zero not out from eight balls in the second. Yeah. Extraordinary. The, um, it's, it's sometimes quite annoying coming in at 11. So I came in the first innings and Pajara was 200 still not out. And so the classic happened. He'd take five balls the over with 11 men on the boundary and we wouldn't take singles. We'd run two if we could, but you know, we wouldn't take any runs. And then I'd have like one or two balls at the end of the over where I'd have like eight men around the bat. And all I could do was either score a four or a dot ball. And there was, so there was no running. And I remember I timed one quite nicely off Ronan Jones to wide of Murta at mid on. I was thinking, oh my God, I can get off the mark here. And I realised I can't because I can't run because um, Pajara's got to say, take the strike next over. So I said, oh, not not out, but I'll take having a not out, a red inker at Lord. So that's, that's quite something. And um, and then second innings, we were fighting out for the draw. And so again, it was just like rear guard action, blocking. And I was in with Finney. So like the runs were there, but I just wasn't getting out. I couldn't get out. And I think um, Eskenazi came on and bowled a token over of um, right on uh, Ospin around the wicket. There was a few scouts out, but I just patted them all back. They were about halfway down, some of them. So and um, I was like, you know, I'm not going to be that bloke that gets out and then we have to bowl and we lose on debut, um, needing like 200 or 20 overs. But they said out in the field, obviously Finney used to play for them, so he was quite pally with them. And they said, yeah, we're, we're not chasing this anymore. We're not giving it a go. So we shook hands at that and I was naught and out both innings. Six wickets, no runs. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny you mention that as well because I have to bring up one of the most incredible stats that I think we've ever had <laughs> on the County Cricket Podcast, yeah, and that is your 2022 County Championship <laughs> stats, Brad. 15 wickets, right, which is very impressive over the course Thanks. of just four matches. I must say that is quite remarkable, average of 26.4. <laughs> but the other thing which is even more remarkable, and I don't think this has happened in 198 episodes of the County Cricket Podcast. <laughs> you scored the same number of runs, 15 <laughs> runs in seven innings, an average of five. How on yeah. earth did you pull that off? That's remarkable consistency. <laughs> There's a lot of not-outs in that as well. Uh, seven innings, um, you know, I only got out three times. But, um, yeah, it... It's always something I made a joke of because, um, you know, I, I mean, I bat low down at club cricket and, you know, I'm I'm not one of them tail enders that can come out like swinging or, you know, um, but, yeah, like, after the first game, I really put myself on the back foot taking six and no runs. And then the next game, um, I got off the mark, got four not out uh, first innings, but I had three wickets still. So I had nine, nine wickets, four runs. I was like, I'm still in deficit here, lads. And... Um, and then the next innings, Patson blows my shin off, duck. I said, like, oh, God. So I, after that game, I had 11 wickets, four runs. <laughs> I was even worse off. And um, luckily in the Worcester game, I bowled horrendously, um, but scored seven runs. <laughs> so I kind of like equaled it back a bit. Um, and then um, I think I got a four in the other innings as well. So I was... I was averaging 11 against Worcester, so that's that's a real uh, feather in the cap for me, that one. But um, got to the Glamorgan game, and I was 15 runs, 12 wickets. I this is better. And then I took three first, 15 each. And uh, the first innings, I um, 
shouldered arms to one um, and um, and got given out. Um, so I was 15 and 15 if we didn't bowl or bat again. And um, Sean Hunt uh, put up some, some good action and got a career best whilst I was sat there with pads on, full, fully well knowing that I was 15 each. So I just, just one not out, Sean. But you know, shout out to Sean's career bests uh, against Glamorgan. <laughs> I mean, it, it's just a remarkable stat. Genuinely, that's the first time that's ever happened on the podcast. And I'm surprised, actually, that Sussex didn't give you an award for like consistency at the end of season awards. I would have. Uh, do you know what? We actually gave Sean an award for his 13. <laughs> really? I think, yeah. <laughs> I, think we, um, I think the award was meant to go to Pudge, but he's back in India. And so um, we, uh, we gave Sean, his, uh, we gave him an award for his 13 not out. So... <laughs> Oh, for goodness sake. I was only joking. That actually no, happened. We weren't. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. God. Well, it's a known it's a known thing at the club because I said to a couple of lads, I said, lads, I'm, I'm, I've got the same amount of wickets who runs here. I don't know what this means. Am I, uh, am I a good bowler or a terrible batsman? This is nah, just a bit of both, Brad. But um, they, they spoke about Mark Robinson at the club. And uh, I, think it, I think they said it's something like 460 wickets. Uh, which is more, uh, he's got more wickets than runs. So I've got a long way to go to be that um, that record. But um, I hope that my batting improves a little bit so that I don't have a record like that. But I'd love to know there must be some other badges out there that can find some stats of bowlers with more wickets than runs. I think Chris Martin's got to be up there, surely. 100%. 100%. <laughs> he's probably the king. He's the king of the title. <laughs> Yeah, goodness me. For those who have ever seen Chris Martin bats. In fact, Brad, who would you say has more of a chance of surviving an over from Mitchell Stark? Chris Martin, the cricketer, or Chris Martin, the Coldplay singer? <laughs> sure, we actually, um, well, I was speaking to Ali Orr um, and we were having a few like a few questions um, in the Glamorgan game. So it looked like we might have to actually bat out for a draw. And so we said, we gave one of the lads uh, the, the dilemma and we said, what would you rather, who would you rather have go out and like fend an over off? And um, we said, me with a bat or Ali Orr with a stump. Um, and we still conclude, I just about took that title. But if you gave Ali Orr an iron bat, he was, he was taking, <laughs> taking the plaudits. But yeah, we went through all sorts, like a stick and like Ali having a stick. But I think he was seeing it so well at the end of the season. I think he could have batted with nothing and somehow got some runs. But yeah, we... Um, <laughs> We've proposed some similar dilemmas, that Chris Martin question. There's nothing wrong with it, though. I must say, you're not in the team nah, to bat, are you, nah. as a tail end? Uh, are you there to take wickets? Which is what Chris modern, Martin did Modern day changes that. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah. He did. He, he was a good bowler for New Zealand. Also played a little bit for my county of Warwickshire back mm. in the day as well. Did the Kiwi seam bowler. But you mentioned there about Chiteshwar Pajara, Brad. And again, mm. as has been the theme on today's podcast, you've set me up quite beautifully there for today's listener questions and just a word of warning some of these are very serious cricket questions mm. some of them are incredibly rogue so just <laughs> bear that in mind both brad and of course the listeners before we get into these but our first question comes from satvik now satvik long-term listener really nice guy mm. as well comes from india and satvik asks what's it like to play alongside chiteshwa pajara what advice did he give you during your time at sussex do you know what? And there's there's quite a like famous saying of like don't meet your heroes and and all of that. But he was such a gent on and off the pitch. 
oozed class and just calmness and it was just like the ultimate professional and you know to share a changing room with him it's just incredible you know I sort of see him playing test cricket for the last however many years on tv I think this guy's an absolute legend like England just cannot get him out he's getting runs for fun and then I look across the changing room and I'm I'm like that's Pajara you know or I'm having breakfast in the morning at a hotel and he's just sat opposite me and I'm like what do I even say to you like can I, am I allowed to speak to him like is there some rule and um but yeah he was just absolutely brilliant you know and the whole club shares the same opinion everyone loves him um and you know it's very easy to look up to someone who has also done as well as he's done but you could you could completely throw away the stats and just as a person a really really nice guy really down to earth family orientated as well you know is away from home for a ridiculous amount of months a year. And um, I think his daughter and his wife came over um, at some stage at the back end of the season. And that was really nice for him. And so we like, you know, we spoke about that and everything, but he's loved by the fans as well. You know, you could see whenever he's going down, there's, you know, people have got probably hundreds of his autographs, but they'd also just be there to speak to him as well. And he's got so much time for it as well. Like he will stand there and have a conversation with any of the fans. Um, but, you know, rid- ridiculously popular man and just really nice. And as a captain, he was very calming as well. You know, uh, the Lord's game came out and, and was batting with him. I was like, I think this is the dream debut. Whatever happens, I can now say I made my debut and my batting partner was Chetesua Pachara. You know, that's fantastic. Even if I get my stumps blown away first ball, you know, that's absolutely fine by me. I, I batted with Pachara. Um, but, you know, just at mid-off, you know, when... Things weren't going too well or, you know, I had a couple of spells where I didn't take a wicket and, or, you know, there was a couple of times where the pitch got pretty flat, the ball was quite soft and Simpson started whacking it everywhere and we were just like running out of ideas. But, you know, he's trying things at wide of the crease and I actually bowled an over around the wicket to Simpson, which I'd never do, but, you know, just to try like different things or, you know, one of the balls actually did go past the edge and, you know, if that... If he nicked that, then, you know, Pajara looks like an absolute genius. But, you know, there was multiple occasions where he'd have some very good ideas for me at the top of my mark. And I think the one off the top of my head was at Somerset in the one-day game. Um, we'd wrapped up the game, but Brooks and Alfie Ogborn were actually putting us to pieces and just, just whacking it, a um, bit of like a counteract. And... And so Pudge was high, you know, I'll just, just bounce him. I don't care if he goes out of the stadium and hits Bristol, but, you know, just bounce him and he gets caught third man. So in the celebrations, I turn around and, you know, thank him and everything. But, um, yeah, he was just full of ideas and, uh, you know, hopefully he comes back. Yeah, fingers crossed. It's been magnificent to have him in county cricket, even though at times it has come against my county. I think that's the <laughs> 107. <laughs> That he scored yeah. against us at Edgebaston, just was, leathering six I, after six after six. That was. I thought that was like the best innings I've ever seen. Well paced, and if we chased it, I thought that would have been the best innings. And then he went and got like one seventy against Surrey, and then like another two hundred, and uh, it was just remarkable what he did. And then of course, like Ali Orr hit two hundred, so I was like, that might actually have to be the best innings. And then him and Tom went and went like three hundred and thirty for none against Glamorgan. I was like. Hang on, no, that's but well, that's one of the best innings. So, you know, just to, just to have seen half the stuff that I've seen this year has been an incredible to watch. 
I can imagine it has. And it's been brilliant for us as fans as well. Mm. I must say, Pajara, come back, please. I'd love to see him back in 2023. He's just dynamite, isn't he? Yeah, absolutely. Great, great player and quite clearly a lovely bloke as well. Very astute captain as well, might I just add. In terms of this next question, this comes from Bears Fanatic on Twitter. And Bears Fanatic asks, all professional seamers seem to have a nasty side to them. Brad, do you think you need this as a seam bowler? And if so, what brings out that side in you? Um, I mean, getting whacked into the stands obviously brings a bit of anger <laughs> out. But I, I think the the thing of like needing an angry side, you don't need it. If you have it, you can use it to your strength. And, you know, I'm not going to go too deep into it, but I did um, sports psychology at uni. And, you know, I think the thing that you can maybe pick up from that is that everyone sort of has a different personality. Everyone ticks a bit differently. And, and so you don't necessarily need it, but if you have it, then yeah, you can use it. Whether I use it or not, I, I think at the, like club cricket, I'm probably a bit braver, but at first class cricket, there's no way I'm spraying anyone really. I mean, you know, you got, there's a lot of respect in the professional game for what people have achieved and stuff. And, you know, with the different franchise tournaments, different teams, you know, the sort of accessibility to through social media to speak to people, there's, you know, you're very in tune with other um, teams and players. Like, you know, after the, the Lancashire game, the Royal London, we're out having a night out with them in Brighton. You know, they just pulled our pants down and beaten us and, you know, potentially on their way to winning a trophy that we thought we had a good chance of winning. Um, but you're out there and, you know, we all share a very similar lifestyle. So, it's very easy to get along with people from other teams. But, you know, as soon as you cross that line, there is sort of that, obviously, now you're an opponent. So if I want to spray you, I can spray you. But after, you know, you're done, you have a beer and, you know, everyone's good mates again, which is which is how cricket should be played, in my opinion. I think there should be allowed to be sort of a feisty side to it. But after the game, just have a drink, have a chat and everything's fine, um, as long as there's no sort of lines crossed. But, yeah, I think... You, there's there's definitely like an angry side to to most fast bowlers, myself included. I think it happens to everyone, doesn't it? To be honest, because yeah. it's it's what pressure does. Pressure does very mm. very strange things, doesn't it? To people, it does alter the the psyche, I suppose, during yeah. the course yeah, of absolutely. the game because it's the heat of the battle. It's completely mm. understandable, but again, oh, yeah. it goes back to that point that I think you've just articulated very nicely, Brad. It's all well and good doing that on the field, but off of it, in the spirit of the yeah. game, as yeah. We all know as, as cricket players and cricket fans is very important. It is very, very important to share that camaraderie off the field. We saw it in the 2019 yeah. Ashes, didn't we? With the likes of Jofra, that incredible over to Steve Smith at Lords. Yeah. But then at the yeah. end of the series, they're all socialising. They're in the dressing rooms yeah. together, getting along. That's exactly how the game should be played. Yeah, absolutely. But you mentioned there about university, Brad. And this brings us yeah. nicely onto this uh, next question from Louis Hayward. And he asks, how did uh, BU Socials, I'm guessing that's Bournemouth University? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How did BU Socials over the winter <laughs> shape your performances for Sussex over the course of this summer? Louis, uh, thanks for the question. He's, uh, he's known as Billy Gilmore at the, um, at the club. He's, um, he's a great feisty little midfielder in the warm-ups. But um, I'm sure he's teaching the freshers a lesson today. It's actually Wednesday, so it's their night, their night out. And uh, they've just had trials, so... Um, those poor first years, can't call them freshers, but those freshers are in for a heavy night tonight. I don't think they quite know what's going to hit them, but um, 
if anyone knows Edward Scissorhands, it's about to become Edward Ciderhands. Um, so, yeah, they're they're in for a poor night, those poor fellows. But um, you know, the BU socials are, are legendary. Um, and if I wasn't uh, wrapped up in Brighton at the moment, then uh, I'd be making my way back down to Bournemouth tonight to see that social because they're some of the best nights you have. And um, a lot of you know people speak about the the memories you make and stuff, and you don't actually appreciate what you have at uni and the bond you have with the team until you've actually left and yeah, it is true but you know you definitely enjoy it and you know those sort of three four years you spend at uni can be some of the closest bonds you'll make in your life and, and carry on to make so I've said to the guys you know if I'm back during winter that I'm I'm definitely there for one of the socials so there's a lot of character building in those things <laughs> yeah I can imagine looking at uh, at university socials in the past but uh, Brad, moving on to our, our next question. This one is from Rob Rush, and shout out to Rob, aspiring young journalist, been doing a lot of good yeah. work up in Durham over the course of this summer. And this is an interesting question because we actually haven't mentioned your brother that much in the podcast, but uh, Rob, yeah. Yeah. Rob asks the question, the million-dollar question, who's the better cricketer, Brad? You or Scott? Oh, Scott, there's, there's, um, there is no actual debate here. Um, I, yeah, I'd love to be like, oh, yeah, I'm a better player than him, but you've seen what that bloke can do on a pitch like it's remarkable he's also like six foot 12 or eight foot like it's not fair he's six six bowls doom seeds on a length and hits people in the chest like the, the quinton the pads the everything and he like nips it around swings it away and and you know he catches pigeons that slips like he's, he's got like a baseball mitt in both hands in the slits like it's just not fair um and then he can bat as well. Like he doesn't have the same amount of runs as, as wickets. So um, you know, he's he's a lot more talented than me. But um, yeah, I like to you know I always like to tell people that I actually did teach him everything he knows. You know, he he was more of a footballer as a kid, and then the old back garden cricket started with him having to bat first. Obviously, as the younger one, and I'd get him out with my left arm unorthodox um, more often than not, and. Um, he'd get angry and then he'd go inside and I wouldn't get a chance to bat. So um, historically in the family, we've always blamed my lack of batting abilities on the fact that he would go in and have a strop about getting out. So then to get him back outside to play cricket, I'd have to invite him back into bat and just declare my innings. So <laughs> I'd be constantly bowling, getting faster and faster as the pitch got shorter and shorter. Um, but yeah, no, there is, there's no doubt. Um, he's got two and a half years on me and he's already achieved a lot more than me in the first class game. But um, yeah, he, he's definitely a better player. Fair enough. But I'll tell you what, Brad, <laughs> your, your parents must be incredibly proud. Incredibly proud. Both of you in county cricket. I mean, that's yeah. some achievement, isn't it? Yeah, they are. I mean, the, what they've done for us, um, you know, I, I spoke to my mum a couple of days ago or yesterday on, on FaceTime and said, you know that there was some other stuff going on but you know we i spoke about the, the commitment that they've had to you know not it wasn't even only for the cricket you know mum would be taking me to swimming competitions dad would be taking scott to his portsmouth games um for football and chelsea and and everything and you know it, we, we'd have a house in bournemouth but we'd very rarely be staying and it'd be one you know up in um london playing football i'd be down in cornwall swimming or you know wherever it was and then we'd be playing cricket the next day and then scott would have training again whilst mum and dad would work it how they did it 
no idea. Um, but the commitment that they've had has been unbelievable. And I, I think Scott will 100% echo this, that, you know, we couldn't have asked for anything more than what we had. And so, you know, to try and reward them and, you know, make them happy and proud about us, you know, this it's so easy for me and Scott to go out there and, and do what we try and do. Because, um, you know, we've, we've got two of the biggest fans in the world to repay. Um, for the first time as well this year, they've, they've been to Hove. You know, Dad's slowly ticking off the county grounds around the country. Um, and I suppose he'll have a decent chance with one son in Division 2, one son in Division 1. But, um, you know, it's nice for him to come to Sussex. He's got a load of um, Hampshire memorabilia at home and, and stuff. And whilst it's probably not right to get the El Clasico um, Sussex stuff in the house as well as the Hampshire stuff, but... You know, that's just the problems we face having one son at one county and another at another. But yeah, he's he's got a few Sussex um presents to come back to him when I when I eventually get home. Um but yeah, hopefully we're just making those too proud of what we do. Oh, I think you most certainly are, to be honest, Brad. Same goes to Scott as well. Scott, as you mentioned, yeah. a tremendously talented cricketer. Need to get him on the podcast. Mm. So Scott, if you're listening, yeah, we'll do a joint one. On. We need a we need a <laughs> Hampshire versus Sussex game to happen. And we'll do a little preview, which we actually thought we could have got this year, because obviously both of us in the Royal London semi-final, and you know the the dream was there that it would be a Hampshire Sussex final. We'd have mum sat in the the Sussex top, or you know, and dad sat in the Hampshire top. <laughs> We'd both sat next to each other in the in the stands at Trent Bridge, but um, uh, it wasn't meant to be. But you know, hopefully we can um, we can get a little derby going. Cause that'd be class. Fingers crossed. It would be magnificent, mm. wouldn't it? Cause a little yeah. bit of tension in the old uh, in the old family, though, wouldn't it? I suppose if there is. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Split. Right, this this so this will test how much of a badger you are for Warwickshire. Go so on. I played a I played a twos game for Warwickshire last year at the Aegeus. Curry v Curry. Yes, yeah, you can guess how it went. Oh, <laughs> Scott was on about Scott was on about sixty odd though, so it was fine. Um, it wasn't even a good wicket. I came round the wicket and he clipped one to short with wicket caught and. Um, and it, the clip's actually really bad because it looks like I genuinely celebrate the wicket. But anyone that was at the game, um, you know, I, I went for a long spell and I went close to getting him. And everyone knew that it was Curry v Curry. Like we had um, Tim Breslin in the side and he's got a brother as well. So he shared my sort of desire and, and want to get Scott out as well as not wanting to get him out, if that makes sense. But, you know, you could see his happiness for me um, for getting Scott out. But um I think if the roles were reversed, it wouldn't have taken half the time that it took me to get Scott out. I think, I think it'd have been done in about an over. <laughs> we'll have to wait and see, though, won't we? In the future, yeah, I mean, first class game, fifty facing. over, T twenty. Yeah. We'll have to wait and see in an El Clasico. That would make for a very, yeah. very interesting battle, yeah, to say the very least. But Brad, aside from cricket, then I did mention yeah. right at the beginning of the podcast <laughs> about yeah. another element of today's show which yeah. came up a lot in the listener questions. And that is, of course, <laughs> FPL, fantasy yeah. football, as it's known here yeah. in the UK. <laughs> and this this first question is from Sam Martin on Twitter. Yeah, yes. And good old Sam. He's a big Leicester fan, football and cricket, Sam. He's a good man, great man. Is he? Fair yeah, play. Yeah, well, I'm yeah. guessing he'll be in a fantastic mood. For sure, yeah, for sure. Especially with Madison in this team. <laughs> Oh, goodness me. What a week to have James Madison mm. in the team. 4-0 against yeah. Nottingham Forest. Crikey. But Sam asks, Brad, are you better at cricket <laughs> or FPL? Um, 
So there's an obvious answer, and I'm not a professional FPL player, but obviously take serious enough. But I could be very boring and take this mathematically. If I look around the world and try and see how many cricketers there are better than me, there's probably over a thousand. Whereas last year in FPL, I finished about a thousand from the world. So if if someone can name me a thousand cricketers better than me, and they probably can with ease, uh, then I'm probably better at FPL. <laughs> Fair enough. A modest man. But you never know, Brad. You never know. Another couple of seasons down in Sussex could rise up the ranks. Who knows? Yeah, I'm, I mean, this year, this, this year's FPL is not quite going as well. I mean, I'm behind Alex Eklund, which is a terrible thing to have. It's a very, very shameful thing. You've probably speaking got questions devil. from him. Yeah, speak, yeah. speak of the devil. <laughs> Alex Eklund is where our yeah. next question or questions come from, I should say. Yeah. <laughs> First and foremost, what a question this is. Um, I know this one Brass, you're going to ask. Win the county championship <laughs> or win the FPL? <laughs> right. So the obvious answer is I have to say win the county championship. Um, I'm, I'm taking that as Division 1 as well. Um, obviously, so that, which means Sussex have been promoted, so happy days. But yeah, obviously the answer is win the championship. But again, I have to say, the, the odds of winning FPL, right? There's 10 million players, right? That's a one in 10 million chance, give or take, because there's a few bots that play it, right? But the county championships, what, one in nine? <laughs> it could change in a couple of years. It could be about one in 15 or whatever they're going to do to the county circuit. But, you know, I'd like to think hopefully we... We can win um, the county championship in my lifetime, um, but winning FPL would be um, would be very special. <laughs> I mean, come on, come on, win the FPL. No, win no, the county winning the county championship. That's my answer. That's my answer. <laughs> <laughs> can I just say one of the best questions, one of the most unique questions we've ever had on the podcast as well? Fair play, Alex. Fair play, Alex. Well done. <laughs> Yeah, that made me laugh when I read that. I was like, what a question that bloody is. But yeah. the, other, the other question which Alex uh, also mentions, and this is an interesting one. Brad, is it true that you also support three different football teams? Oh, God. Sorry. So Alex is king of mewling. He thinks he's like all that. He supports Watford, bless him. They go through a manager every two weeks. But they got a um, new one, haven't they? Yeah, that's yeah, point proven. Um, so... <laughs> No, so I'm I'm a Bournemouth fan, um, but growing up, um, my my dad sports Man United, and so growing up, Bournemouth were in League Two. We were atrocious and potentially going out of administration and everything. And so you know you want a little bit more entertainment on a Saturday rather than watching Bournemouth versus Macclesfield or something. And and so you know you keep tabs on the Premier League. And if there was a Premier League team that we sort of um, we liked, it would be United. Um, so, you know, there was, and then obviously Bournemouth started getting promoted, you know, League One Championship, and then it's questionable whether you can truly support a, a team who's in the Championship and Premier League. I mean, most people argue you can't support two teams, but if someone's in Division 12 and someone's in the Premier League, probably okay, but I'll get hate for that, but it's fine. Um, I'll see you on Twitter for the battles, guys. But, and then obviously Bournemouth got promoted to the Premier League, and now it's like, well, you can't, so... Bournemouth is my team, but, you know, United there's a soft spot for. Um, and then obviously with the Scottish roots, um, got to obviously shout out Rangers and, you know, say that, you know, whenever they're playing, there's, there's an eye on them as well. So, and 
you know, but just as a football fan, you know, in, I'm not saying I don't support the like Rangers, but I'm a fan of them. But you know, my team is Bournemouth, but there's a like for for like Rangers, United, and stuff. But yeah, so that's why he thinks he's getting funny and he's going to try and oust me as like a plastic fan and that. But it's fine. He's not here to fight back, so I'll take that as a one nil to me. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Where does that connection actually come from? I haven't asked. So my dad's side of the family is all Scottish, um, grew up in Ayrshire, um, not too far from Glasgow, so hence the Rangers um, side. So my aunt and uncle are still up there in Scotland, uh, along with my cousins. One of my cousins is actually in America at the moment. Um, and the other used to play for Kilmarnock. So, um, you know, they're again, <laughs> another like, connection. Some, yeah, there's another connection, another football team. But um, yeah, so it's sort of like pretty much the whole of my dad's side of the family um my my papa's still going strong up there bless him um so yeah he's an absolute soul so um yeah they're they're, they're sort of like 50 50 split is um dad's side scottish mum's side is english well, that's really nice to hear to be honest i, I love mm. scotland absolutely oh, love scotland great place. great place brilliant i spent I spent mm. my birthday in edinburgh classic yeah. yeah in aberdeen inverness got to john yeah. groats from time to time goodness oh, me now you're talking I know. Well, what a country. What a country. Yeah. And you can drive up there as well. It's not even... Yeah. You can take oh, I don't. I've done that too many times. From Bournemouth, it takes a long time. From Birmingham, you've got a bit of an advantage, but yeah. It's still a long journey either way. Yeah. <laughs> Let's be honest. But yeah. this last question, I'll save yeah. the most unique one until last, Brad, because this has I never cropped up is, on yeah. the Counts Cricket Podcast. This is from Nick. Brad Curry, can you do... A Sean Deitch impression. Oh, no, no, no. Right. So if you want impressions, I to get my brother on. He is class at this. But the fact, I actually really enjoyed um, the question because obviously um, we we call Sean Hunt Sean Deitch. Um, you know, there's there's a fairly similar resemblance there. And so, so um, and obviously sharing the same name as well. So he gets called Deitchy. And so... If you want a Sean Dyche impression from a Sussex player, you're going to have to see Sean Dyche himself or Sean Hunt um, or, or ask the other curry because Scott's impression is really good. And if I even attempted it, I'd put Shane to it and Sean Dyche himself. But he's very good. I think you just like got to get some bleach out from this sink and gargle it around a little bit and just give it a <laughs> bit of a croaky voice. But yeah, no, I've never been in my um, doing a Sean Dyche impression. Sorry to disappoint. Well, unfortunately, Nick, we couldn't get the, uh, the, the required <laughs> yeah, sorry, answer there, Nick. Brad. Sorry, Nick. <laughs> Unlucky, Nick. I mean, I do have a call today, so maybe I could give it a go. Daichi. Like yeah, that. there you go. That's good. That's good. <laughs> just a raspy voice, isn't it? Yeah, so, that's it. That's it. As and though he's had like that, but... 50 years of just screaming at his players. It's like... <laughs> yeah, he probably has, to be fair. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> what an icon, though, Sean Dyche. Goodness me, never thought we'd be mentioning his name on the podcast, but here we are. And that is the end, pretty much, for the listener questions. And Brad, we are almost at an end for today's episode of the Counter Cricket Podcast. But before we do say our final goodbyes for the recording, just one final question, really, to go mm-hmm. over looking ahead to the future, really. So 2023 and, of course, the years beyond. What are your future aspirations in the game of cricket? What would you like to achieve in the game itself over these next few years, per se? Um, 
I mean, obviously, I w- would love to try and nail down a, a county career. Um, you know, I'm 23, so if I can get sort of like 15 years, I think, you know, that would be the dream. Um, if I can get 10 years or five years, that would be awesome. But, you know, even just to have had a taste of it now and what the life is like as a professional cricketer is, is awesome. So, yeah, obviously the dream is to go for as long as possible in the county game. Um, I think also, you know, sort of I, as a like, sort of side mission, people can meme it now on, on, on Instagram and Twitter and all that. But, yeah, if I'm doing my side quest, then hopefully a um, like a franchise gig somewhere um, would be pretty cool. Um, and then a, another one of the dreams, obviously, to make my debut for Scotland um, and then hopefully play in a World Cup as well. Um, and I suppose I'd be remiss not to say to win a World Cup for Scotland um, would obviously be the ultimate dream. Um, I think we, with the talent going around the world at the moment, that will be the biggest achievement I will ever do. Um, but why not? You know, why not dream about those sort of things? But I mean, obviously the Scotland boys are just headed over to Australia at the moment now as well. And um, I'm sort of not quite ready for that sort of level yet. But you know, if I can keep pushing and doing the right things down here, then, you know, hopefully one day I can make that dream a reality. But I hope they go well over there. I, I know their game is coming up soon against the West Indies. So I wish all those those guys out there as well, Shane and the team, um, hopefully they'll get a little bit of the clip at the end and they can, they can listen in. But yeah, I'll be glued to the TV wherever I am. Well, Brad, it goes without saying, but of course, wishing yourself Sussex and Scotland nothing but the very best of luck heading into 2023 Thanks, and, of course, the years beyond. It's been an absolute pleasure welcoming you onto the podcast today. It's been a long time coming. Ari Carvelas, shout out to Ari. Great bloke, yeah. he said. You'd be worth your weight in gold coming onto the podcast. <laughs> he was spot on. It's been a really enjoyable hour and 20 minutes or so. It's just flown by, to be completely honest mm. and proud. Yeah. You're always welcome back here on the Thanks, Council of the Podcast for a future episode. But... Before we do say our final goodbyes, Brad, anything to plug or promote? Social media channels, websites, anything oh, like that? No, oh, I don't know. I mean, if people want to follow me on Instagram, then they can go for it. Um, and then uh, there's the Twitter and the FBL stuff. So I'll keep that one a secret because it is still a secret account. But if people want to follow it, they can follow it. Um, if there's any cricket badges out there, want to get in touch, then go for it. But yeah, if people want to hit me up on there, then go for it. Um, and apart from that, just just shout out all the clubs and teams that I play for, Bashley, Paul Town, Dorset, um, all the guys there, all the people that have helped me, sort of, you know, I'm not going to go too deep into getting cringy um, shout outs for people. But, you know, obviously my parents, I spoke about them earlier. Um, my, my coach since I was a kid, Steve Wilson, um, to help me get to here, um, you know, through the uni setup, through Bashley. Um, through Port Town and everything it's, it's you know testament to his work as much as mine um, to get me here but there's been so many people that have helped me you know get to here and, and from sort of like the little things like you know I don't know making dinner once or you know taking me to one training session or picking me up from somewhere and you know just the little things there's, there's probably so many people to, to thank and that but yeah, I'm definitely so grateful for that. So shout out to all the people. <laughs> Indeed. What a lovely way to end today's episode of TCCP. And Brad, we will, of course, mm. leave the links to those social media channels in the podcast description below. Listeners, if you want to go and check out Brad on his socials, please feel free 
to check out those links below. But that is it from us two here at the Counter Cricket Podcast for today's episode. To each and every single one of you wonderful listeners, thank you very much for tuning in. And as always, guys, we'll see you on the next one. <laughs>